This is recording number 10984 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, April 29, 2012. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Promise and Process. It's all about the journey. I want to talk to you today about two words, promise and process. Let's turn in our Bibles to the second book in the Bible, Exodus, and then chapter 32, Exodus chapter 32. And we all, I think, would be, I mean, I'll just, I won't implicate you, I'll just say me, I I would be uh, very, I would readily admit to the fact that I love the promises of God. And I love to receive the promises of God. But there is connected with the promises of God always a process. And I want to talk to you about the distinction between those two and those two things and uh, the importance of each and and all of that. We're going to look at a passage of scripture that happens after the first leg of uh, of the journey of the children of Israel from Slavery in Egypt to the Promised Land. You all familiar with that story? Um, And certainly have heard aspects of what we're going to read together today before. But I would like to ask you to think of it and consider it in a new light. All right? Chapter 32, verse 1. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, Make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So the first leg of the journey, it's really not very far from Egypt to Canaan, Palestine, the promised land. It's really not a very far, a very long journey. They could have uh, done it in really a matter of days. But the Lord took them kind of out of their way, led them to a place called Mount Sinai. And those of you who know the story, you know the Lord commissioned Moses from the very beginning when he sent them to Egypt to be uh, the liberator of the people of Israel. He, He told him, bring them back here. And the reason was that the Lord was going to meet them there and give them the backbone of what would become their life together in the promised land. He was going to give them the Ten Commandments and the other guiding Uh, structures that would take them from being slaves to being a nation of of uh, of God's people so they have journeyed to Mount Sinai and Moses has gone up on the mountain and there he's receiving the Ten Commandments and as I said the other instructions that will be the that will form the basis these are not um, inconsequential things these are These are the things that are going to make the promised land meaningful. These are the things that are going to cause the promised land to be a place that the people of Israel can actually live in, fully occupy that territory. And uh, so Moses is on the mountain, and it's taking longer than the people like. And so they get impatient, and they go to Aaron... Moses' older brother, who served as a priest or kind of 
not quite yet installed as the high priest, but he's headed that direction. He's Moses' right-hand man, so to speak. And they go to him and they say, Aaron, we don't know what happened to your brother. We are tired of waiting. Make us a God we can see. And so uh, Aaron does. I won't have it bother to read the whole story. He gathers up donations of gold from the people and he melts them down and, and with some artistic uh, work is fabricating uh, a, an image of God. If you look carefully at this, you'll, at this passage, you see that he, when he does present this to the people, he doesn't present it as another God, a different God. He says, this is a representation of the God who has delivered you from slavery in Egypt. But this God here you can actually see. This representation of him is something you can look at, something you get your hands on. You could actually pick it up and move it. When you're ready to go, it will go with you. And uh, I'll talk more about that in a minute. Moses up on the mountain uh, is informed by God of what's going on down below. And uh, we won't take time to read about how Moses descends the mountain and confronts the wickedness and the sin of the people. Because not only have they created an image of God out of gold, but they have also decided this is a great time to party and they've just unleashed themselves in every, every kind of, you know, imaginable debauchery that you, you know. And so Moses comes down from the mountain, this holy moment where he's been with the Almighty God receiving God's, God's engraved instructions to his people and has to deal with all this. And there is judgment, a serious judgment that happens. But after all of the... the fallout of this iniquity then we read this in verse 33 verse 1 then the Lord said to Moses depart and go up from here you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham Isaac and Jacob those are the three patriarchs of the Hebrew faith of the Hebrew nation saying to your descendants I will give it so the Lord says to Moses, he says, Moses, you know, I made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that I would give them this land. I'm going to keep it. Just get up, get going. I'm going to take, I'm going to fulfill my promise. And I will send my angel. You know, my, my Bible, the new uh, King James Version Bible, that word angel is capitalized because most often when you see a reference in the Old Testament to the angel of the Lord, a specific, the angel of the Lord. That's a reference to uh, a pre-incarnate pre uh, uh, visitation of the second member of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus. My angel, I'll send my angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite, all those guys. I will take care of, of doing everything I promise to do. I'm going to clear house and I'm going to give you this land. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. The reason he says that is because that's what the people have fixated on, the promise. They want, a, they, they've been slaves for 400 years. And they are in 
in anticipation of having their own land and not just some barren chunk of desert, but a land that is flowing with rich a reward. Milk and honey to us might kind of sound like a sticky mess. To them it sounded like paradise. And they, they desired that. And he says, go on, go have what you desire. Now listen to this. For I will not go up in your midst. Then verse 15. Then he, Moses, said to him, God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? So we shall be separate your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. So God says, all right, this is what the people want. They want the fulfillment of my promise. Okay, Moses, take them, and I'll keep my promise. And they can have everything that I said I would do. But... I won't journey with you. I'll send my angel ahead of you. I'll, I'll be with you in that way. I'll, I'll go before you and set everything up and make it possible. You can have the fulfillment of what I've promised. But I won't be journeying with you. Moses comes back to the Lord and says, Lord, if you're not going to go with us, if you're not going to journey with us, then the promise, the blessing is meaningless. Don't send us. If you're not going to go with us, then don't send us from here. And he says, because, because the only thing that's different between us and everybody else in the world is your presence with us. Other people have blessings, God. Other people have you know, things that are delightful in their lives. Fulfillment of, of things that they hope for. But the thing that separates us from every other person, every other group of people, every other nation in the world is your presence. If you're not going to be journeying with us, then, then don't, don't send us. And then God, you know, and it wasn't like, you know, it, it can kind of seem sometimes like, like the Lord... Like, you know, Moses or some other, um, you know, major figure in the Bible just really twists God's arm enough where he cries uncle, you know. Oh, okay. I'll give in. That's not what's really going, here, going on here. I don't mean to say that God was insincere or not telling the truth in what he said. He was. He was saying exactly uh, the truth. But at the same time, he was also evoking something out of Moses, an understanding out of Moses that Moses probably, and no one else either, probably had before that moment. He was evoking, drawing out of Moses a sense, wow, the, the promise, the fulfillment of the promise is meaningless without you. And uh, I guess we could probably go home now because that's really the point of my message, but... You know, I worked really hard on it, and I have some notes here, so we're going we're gonna to continue on, all right? So, the promise and the process. 
all of us possess promises of divine blessing. You hold it there in your lap or on your screen. The Bible is full of divine promises. I want you just to take a minute, think through what it is that you, maybe you don't have chapter and verse, but it's something right now you are waiting on God to fulfill a promise. Something you're waiting on God to fulfill a promise that he's spoken to you either directly or indirectly out of his word. I can tell you right now, I'm uh, believing God. I'm waiting on a promise from God to me and to my wife out of Isaiah 41 about her healing. It's a promise I believe the Lord spoke to us and we're, we're waiting on the fulfillment, the full fulfillment, fulfillment, full fulfillment. That's weird. We're in the complete fulfillment of that promise. Anybody else? All of us have things like that. Things that we believe God has promised and we're waiting on the fulfillment of those promises. Now the problem is, like the children of Israel, we can grow impatient with the process. Can't we? There are times when it seems like, dang it, God just takes his sweet time. Doesn't it? I mean, I've heard it said, you know, God is the God, is the God maybe you have too, God is the God of the 11th hour. That means that, you know, it's, uh, you know, he comes through, but not without some, some nail biting, you know, as you wait. Well, the truth is that there's a lot of times I've felt like God is not the God of the 11th hour, but the 13th. After every expectation of or anticipation of what, you know, what it might take to get the job done, then God comes through. Is that because we have a God who is uh, insensitive to our need? I don't think so. I mean, he has proven himself to me anyway over and over that he is very, very tender towards my need. Is it that God just somehow can't get the job done because he doesn't have the resources or, you know, he's you know, trying to figure it out? No, I don't think that's the case either. I think it's because the process is more important than the promise or the fulfillment of that promise. Now, what was going on on the mountain that the people lost uh, uh, patience about was incredibly, incredibly important, but, be, but out of view. What God was doing with Moses on the mountain was behind the scenes. And the people were just sitting there waiting and thinking that, well, Mo Moses has taken a vacation. God has abandoned us. Who knows what they were thinking? But they reached a point where they just got tired of waiting and decided to take measures into their own hands. And you and I, dear ones, we've got to be careful we don't do that. We've got to be careful we, do, we resist the temptation to manufacture a shortcut to the fulfillment of God's uh, promises to you. Now, I'll give you, I'll give you an example from my own life. You know, I was um, probably, let's see, this was, I was 25, 30 years old probably when we bought our new house, our, our first home. Sue and I bought our first home. 
And uh, we reached the point where we were just, you know, everybody, all of our friends, you know, had reached that stage in their life where they were buying homes. It was something that we just got to the point where we had convinced ourselves we need to have. We got to have this, right? Uh, we, and it wasn't just really a matter of keeping up with the Joneses. You tell yourself all this stuff, well, we, we you know, nowadays with the housing market the way it is, this is not so true. But back then, the, we, we just thought, man, we're just throwing rental money away. We need to be able to uh, be building some sort of equity for our future. This is smart. This is responsible. This is what needs to happen. Surely this is the will of God for us. Surely this is a promise that God would want to bless us with. We need to buy a home. And this whole thing starts to just really get rolling in your mind. I did in ours anyway. But there was this problem of not having enough money for the down payment. It's always dangerous, dear one, when you want something God isn't giving you. When you want something God isn't giving you, be careful. <laughs> because pretty much, we, in our impatience, we can create a God who'll do what we want him to do. We can put words in God's mouth. I was going to ask you if you've ever been guilty of that, but I don't want to implicate you. I'll just say, I, I've done that. And I did it then. And I worked out a scheme to be able to buy that house. <laughs> but for, have you ever seen the Money Pit, the movie The Money Pit? <laughs> That's what that house was. Well, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not kidding. The day we actually moved out of that house, they, they were, <laughs> they had this huge, giant uh, dirt pile in our front yard <laughs> because the house had shifted on its foundation by like six inches. So that, and that's a lot, folks. <laughs> and so every door is like this. The windows are all cracked because the window frames are shifted like this and the, <laughs> the thing and the floors are like all of this and they had to they had to dig a, you know they had to dig a big old honking trench around the did we use that terminology anymore honking I don't know what that means but a big big house, a big trench around the house and then they had to lift the house off of its foundation rebuild part of the foundation, level it, and put in this huge drainage system and stuff. And we were, we, oh my gosh. That was just the last straw, you know. It was a mistake, do I need to say? Every time you try to shape God into what you want him to be, every time you try to put words in his mouth that he's not saying. Every time you try to grant yourself permission to do something, he's not giving you permission to do. Every time we grow impatient with God, we're on dangerous ground. And it will cost you. It will cost you. Be careful to resist the temptation to manufacture a shortcut. Now, we do have a God who loves us and is merciful and gracious beyond all comprehension. And he can bless us outside the process. 
You see, God had a plan for Sue and I to own a home. But there was a process we were in that would bring us there. We just wanted to shortcut it. We got tired of the process. We wanted the promise. But, dear ones, and this, this should sober you. Just like what happened with us, God can allow for the fulfillment of promise to come outside of the process. Moses, go ahead. I'll, I will give you what I told you I'd give you. Go ahead, take the people. I will make clear house of all of the people that are occupying the land of promise and you guys can move in there. It will be a land of uh, flowing with milk and honey. But I will no longer be journeying with you. You see, it's all about the journey with God. It's all about the journey. You and I will spend eternity with him where there will be no, nothing that we desire. Every desire will be met. Fullness of joy, the Bible describes. The presence of the Lord, fullness of joy. And the reason that you and I are sitting here today and not in heaven is because the journey to heaven is what's important to God. And sometimes the process that we're in as we move through life and towards the fulfillment of God's promises, whether they are temporal or eternal, that process can, can seem clothed in darkness it, it, it can be like Moses on the mountain and we just can't understand what's going on. You know, like a couple of months ago when we got Sue's uh, current diagnosis of having a resurgence of the cancer that she'd had months ago, or years ago. It's like, really? I talked a little bit about this last week, but you just kind of go, I don't get that. I don't understand. I mean, you gave us a promise and we've been believing you for that and we've, it seems like we've been on track to the fulfillment of that promise and then, then just, this happens? I don't understand. And that's when we need to resist the temptation to manufacture shortcuts and like Moses, come to God and say, God, I, I don't want the promise without the process. I don't want the, f the blessing without the journey that makes the blessing meaningful. And that's what I want to close with today. That process is the true blessing in God's promises. I can tell you after we walked away from that money pit of a house there was and, and you know there was some there was some struggle to get back on track with the process but God, but God was gracious and, and, and folded us back into that journeying with him you know 
And, and as we began to just journey with him day by day by day, that became, that became the blessing. Now we did eventually own a home. But that wasn't so big a deal after all. Have you ever had something that you just, you just thought, man, I got to have that, and then when you get it and you realize, eh, it's not such a big deal after all? You know, there was a time in my life I had to have a Chrysler PT Cruiser. The only, only, <laughs> the only car I ever actually wanted just because of what it was, you know. Every car I've ever owned is because somebody gave it to me or because I could, it was the only one I could afford. That's the only cars I've ever owned. This one, I had to have. You know, <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't take very long before it's like it's just a car. Right? We get our eyes on the wrong stuff. It isn't about the blessing. God wants to bless us. We have a, I said already, we have his word full of God's promises. Somebody counted them. I don't, I'm not sure who it was. Somebody counted them up. There's over 7,000 promises in here for you. But if he's not journeying with you, they don't mean anything.